Good morning. Please have your Bible ready to the book of James. That will be the location of our study in the book of James this morning. A lot of preaching has been done anchored here in the book of James, and that's understandable. It seems to me James contains so much direct, practical, action-oriented teaching. It should be compelling for us as disciples of Christ at any time in our journey. Coming from the waters of baptism, read the book of James. When Bible classes are taught on the book of James, plan to be a part of that study. Listen to sermons from the book of James. Read the book of James with a good and honest heart applied. James will equip us for action. This is what the book of James says about action. Be doers of the word, James 1.22. This is the book where it says, So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty, James 2.12. <clears throat> In the book of James, we have given emphasis to the statement in James 2.26 that faith apart from works is dead. This is where it says, By our good conduct we show our works, and that cultivates the meekness of wisdom, James 3.13. James then tells us, Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. This is an action book. God's people are people of action as revealed by the Holy Spirit in the book of James. I'm persuaded one big problem we have is that we may talk about action a lot, but fall short of actually being active. I mean, we talk about it generically. We study these passages and we preach on faith and obedience... I use the phrase all the time, the activity of faith. So we talk about action, and we should. But do we fall short in being active? Think. Let me speak of this in terms of a typical Sunday like today. <clears throat> we come to a place like this. And we pray and sing and give and take the Lord's Supper. And we listen to preaching. We do all of that, and as we leave this place, we are thankful that we've been here. We acknowledge it was good to be here, and we may compliment the speaker. We may commend the song leader. We may feel good about what the elders are doing in their leadership to provide these good occasions. We may even discuss the sermon on the way home with spouse and family, and we think and speak favorably of the experience, and we intend to come back every time. But what do we do on Monday? What specific actions do we engage in connected to our reading of what the Word of God says about the activity of faith? Do we take what we learn here 
out of the building into life out there? Do we make changes we know we need to make? Do we adjust attitudes? Do we dwell on the hope that we have, that we read about in the Word of God every time we come here? Do we take gratitude and reverence to a deeper level? Do we pray fervently? Do we grow and talk to people about the gospel? Being a Christian must be more than just complimentary language and favorable talk. I think we see this sometimes with parents. The baby comes, and what if inquiry is made, what is your parenting plan? Well, the answer comes back, we're going to raise the child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Good answer. That's great. The greater question is, how do you turn that attention into specific action? If you don't figure that out, you're liable to find yourself in some very tough places ahead. So as you go into the week as a Christian, you must think specifically about action that you need to take, that applies to you. What did I get from the Bible study that I need to think or do or say during the week? It must be more than, well, I'm going to do better. How are you going to do better? In what ways are you going to do better? And a preacher cannot dictate your personal specifics. We don't know your shortcomings, our weaknesses, our strengths. We may be unaware of specific uh, troubles and temptations in your life. And there may be opportunities and talents that you have that preachers are not aware of. Every individual Christian must reach this level of specific personal action. Otherwise, we go through life with commendable generic statements and intentions that never find expression in daily living. Let's think of that today with the book of James open. James 1 2 through 8, James 1, 2 through 8. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. All right. Do you agree with that? We all agree. James 1, 2 through 8. 
Everybody here agrees. This is good teaching. This is what God said through James. We need to count it all joy when we're going through trials of various kinds. Yes, that's so true. If we will maintain faith in the trials we go through, it will be good for us. James says, it will work in us steadfastness and patience. Part of that endurance is asking God to help, knowing that He gives generously and it will be given. Now, you see what we've done? We've read the text... We have no issue with the text. We commend it favorably and we offer our praise. Are we done? No. How do we activate this? Do we just know that that's what the Bible says? Do we just commend the writings of James and that's it? No, we have to make this personal. Don't just read this and think of generic trials, maybe the persecution people went through back in the time of James. Read this and identify your trials today. And once you do that, spend some time examining if those trials are damaging or wearing out your joy. If your trials are wearing out or diminishing your joy, there is action specified in James 1, 2 through 8. Action specified in two words. Ask God. I don't believe there's anybody here right now who can say James 1, 2 through 8 doesn't tell me anything. You have any trials, any difficulties you're going through that could work patience and steadfastness in you, but they're wearing you out? Action plan. Ask God. You see how that works? You see what we're doing? We're looking at the passage with action in mind, not just agreement. Not only do we agree with what it says, we're now in position to do what it says. Christians are people of action. Let's do that again. James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly... And a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in. And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing, and you say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or you sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which He has promised to those who love Him? But you've dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? 
Are they not the ones who blasphemed the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty, for judgment is without mercy to one who is shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? The illustration James uses has packed into it some drama. And we like drama. We'd like to have a video of this. James narrates this scene, and then he says, here's what's wrong with it. It's a very simple approach, isn't it? That we expect from James, guided by the Holy Spirit. James said, here's what happened. And here's what's wrong. What happened was two kinds of people came into an assembly. One looked rich, the other looked poor. Discernible preference was given to the rich man, while disdain was given to the poor man. One was virtually celebrated, the other was demeaned. Here's what we call that. Discrimination. The people held to a certain perception about those who looked rich and the value of those people to them, and a certain negative perception about those who looked poor. They exalted the rich and they discriminated against the poor. And then after giving this narrative, James says there's so much wrong with this. You've made an invalid distinction. You've dishonored the poor man. And look at how plain the indictment is in verse 9. You are committing sin when you do this. Well, what do we do with this today? James 2, 1 to 13. Our first response to this teaching may be, I don't do this. So I'm just going to skip over this and read on. No action. Just a dismissive turn of the page. But of course, with agreement that James was right. Let's explore further, please. <clears throat> Do we think the only form of discrimination condemned here is demeaning the poor? Is that the limits of the text? No. I want us to see that the prohibition against discrimination isn't limited to demeaning the poor. The problem is, in verse 4, making distinctions in general where God doesn't make a distinction. Verse 9 says, showing partiality in general is to commit sin. Being a judge with evil thoughts, showing no mercy, failing to love your neighbor. That's language from the text. These phrases in the text show the sin of partiality and prejudice isn't limited to the example given. 
When I teach from James chapter 2 and other related passages, it helps me to use this phrase, morally neutral attributes. By that I mean some trait or characteristic about a person that is morally neutral. It's not a sin. How much money the person has. Whether they appear to be rich or poor, the color of their skin, their physical shape, the country they live in, their nation of orange, uh, orange uh, origin, the language they speak. When we demean people or disregard people based on a morally neutral attribute, we violated this passage. Because we have failed to love our neighbor, we have fallen short of respecting one who was made in the image of God, and we've not shown mercy. So when I read and study this, if I'm guilty of prejudice in any form in my life, I need to take action, and the action is to change my attitude. The imperative in verse 1, I need to own and keep with me. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. We are people of action who explore the meaning of a text and examine ourselves and take whatever action is required. It may be that we are in compliance with what is written. Great, renew your commitment to the teaching of Scripture. Change if needed or determine you're going to review this and maintain your compliance with God's Word. Remembering that faith without works is dead. One more time, please. James 4. James chapter 4. I'll read verses 1 through 10. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this? that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the Scripture says he yearns jealously over the Spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Well, here again. We may read this and tell ourselves, we are not worldly, <clears throat> so no action to take. Turn the page. I don't quarrel and fight. There is no inclination in my heart to covet or murder, so James isn't talking to me. 
Let me stop here and say, if we get into the habit of dismissing every passage, identifying sin, we believe we're not guilty of, that habit will someday block the power of God's Word to convict us. Would you let me say that again? Thank you. Listen carefully. If we get into the habit of dismissing every passage, identifying sin we believe we are not guilty of, that habit will sometime block the power of God's Word to convict us. Faith and character is maintained through our review of Scripture. So at the moment I'm reading James 4, I may pronounce myself innocent of all charges. That quick dismissal contains no guarantee that I will never need this rebuke. Faith and character is maintained through our review of Scripture, our consistent contact with the Word. So in this case... Do you think it will ever happen that you will get too close to the world's attractions? Is it possible, if not at the present, in the future, we might become entangled with the world and what the world has to offer? Let me say then, if this doesn't apply right now, the action is to keep hold of it. Keep it in your heart. Review it. Repeat your commitment to never cause quarrels, coveting, and become a passionate devotee of the world. If James is a book of action, and we are the people of God, alive and active and ready for every good work, let's read this book, believing faith without works is dead. Can it be said... <clears throat> that we are people of action? Am I active in response to God's Word? Are you active in response to God's Word? Would you listen, please, as I close to James 4, 13 through 17. James chapter 4, 13 through 17. Come now. You who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. So, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Let's be standing as we sing.